Hey everybody, you're listening to the Legacy Church Podcast. Legacy Church is a multi-generational church that exists to worship God, become like Jesus, and bring hope to our community. Today, we're sharing a message from our current series. We believe that the Word of God is powerful and has real-life application to our lives today. We hope that this message encourages you. Get connected and learn more about us by visiting our website at lgcy.church. So we defined in week one, we defined what legacy faith was and legacy faith we said is this, it's a bold trust in God demonstrated by those before us and exemplified to those after us. Come on, does anybody want to live in legacy faith? Now we have to understand that the goal is legacy faith. But for some of us, we have to start in baby faith. Some of us, we have to start crawling before we can start walking or running. Isn't that right? And so Pastor Rach last week dove into what it means and what baby faith is. But today we're not talking about legacy faith. Today we're not talking about baby faith. But as I began to think and as I began to think about the next steps in this journey, I began to think, can God use maybe faith? Can he use maybe faith? See, as a parent with kids now seven and eight, about to turn eight and nine, I can't believe it. Makes me feel older and older every day. Actually, someone uh, recently was like, I cannot believe they found out my age. They're like, I cannot believe you're 38. I thought you were 25. And then I took my hat off and they're like, okay, you're 38. I believe you. But as a parent, there's a word that has become most useful to my children as I'm responding to them, which is the word maybe. What does maybe mean? It means perhaps. It means possibly. It means we'll see. And it could mean yes with a hint of uncertainty. Daddy, can this person come over on Sunday? Daddy's tired. Maybe. Daddy, can I get some ice cream today? Eh, maybe. Daddy, can we go to the store? I need a new jersey. Maybe. Daddy, can we have a brother? No! (laughs) My wife says, maybe. But it's because they know their father's nature that they look at maybe, when we seem to look at maybe as a negative, they look at maybe optimistically, knowing that there is a possibility. When daddy says maybe, they get their hopes up. They see the possibilities instead of the problems. I would encourage you today, in this week three of Legacy Faith, to take on this principle that maybe shouldn't be looked at negatively, maybe should be looked at optimistically. And that if we step into maybe, that God can do something. But what if from now on, every time you hear maybe, you think of all the reasons it can happen? Perhaps I can walk into that job that I've been dreaming of and I don't qualify for. Maybe it's possible that my relationship can be whole and be restored. We'll see what comes from that step of baby faith that I took this past week. 
Yes, it could happen, but I'm uncertain of how. Maybe. See, maybe doesn't have to kill our momentum. Maybe doesn't have to kill our faith. When in fact, it may be the start of your miracle. Maybe the start of your miracle. See, because faith begins where understanding ends. And I think the problem in the North American church is we've had enough faith to say yes to God, but we haven't had enough faith to walk out into the impossible. When we said yes to God, it took faith. But then anything else seems so far off, it seems impossible. But the thing is, when you don't know, that's where faith starts. When you don't know, that's where faith begins. Well, I'm supposed to go to this college. I know it. The door opened for me, but how am I supposed to pay for it? That's where faith starts. Well, God, you've given me this dream to start this, but it seems so far off. That's where faith starts. Faith is being able to move on a maybe. And faith lives in a place called maybe. See, this whole Christian life is about us being dependent on him. I've seen people my whole life struggle with this because they're trying to understand before they step out. They're trying to be certain before they step in. But you can't understand until you walk in it. People say, I'm not ready to have a baby. Nobody's ready to have a baby. But when you have a baby, you realize you're still not ready. But you realize you can do it because everybody can do it. You must step into it, but you can't understand it until you walk into it. And sometimes you have to adjust. You cannot put your faith in action if you have to understand it to have faith. Now, I get this question all the time. How do you know it's God? Has anybody ever asked you that? Where you've been very bold with what you believe? You've been very, very bold with your confessions of faith? People say, well, how do you know it's God? How do you know that you heard from him? How do you know it's going to happen? How do you know? How can we be sure? Do you want an honest answer today? Do you want a non-sugar-coated answer? You can never know 100%. That's why we need faith. A lot of times it is a maybe. There's no 100% certainty. But this walk with Jesus is not based on facts. It's based on faith. But so often we allow the facts to change the way we walk. We allow the circumstances to change the way we are walking in this Christian life. But we can never have all the facts, and that's why we need faith. So when God speaks, I don't have immediate certainty. But what I do have is confidence in who he is. I don't have immediate certainty of the situation. I don't have immediate certainty, but I do know who he is. And because I know who he is, I can be sure that he will complete what he told me. Hebrews 12, 2, he is the author and finisher of our faith. He doesn't start anything he doesn't intend to finish. But can I say this? The maybe doesn't cancel out our faith. 
I think so often in me growing up in a Pentecostal church, the maybe we thought canceled our faith. Well, if you're not 100% certain, where is your faith? Can I tell you something? You don't have to be 100% sure as long as you know who God is, as long as you know his character, as long as you know the promises that he's given to us. We are living in a world where we want to be 100% certain before we take a step. But that is not how the kingdom of God works. It's an upside-down kingdom. Faith is being okay with not knowing who. Faith is being okay with not knowing what, with not knowing how, and with not knowing when. But some of us are unwilling to step out and take that baby step of faith until we know how, until we know who, until we know when. But that's not how it works. See, our faith grows as we learn more about God who knows everything. So often growing up in church, it was always an unspoken thing. That people think that we have to be perfect. But what I've learned over the last 38 years of my life and over 20 plus years of serving God, that this walk is not about perfection, it's about progression. You know why? Because everyone is at a different place. Not everyone goes into the gym exactly the same. You say, well, I can't go to the gym because I just don't fit in there. Guess what? Someone else didn't fit in there one time, but it was that step after step after step after step that got them to where they are today. You don't have to feel uncomfortable. You don't have to feel uncomfortable coming to church. Well, it's a place of, it's, it's full of hypocrites. We're all at a different place on this journey. And it takes one step after the next step. And we're all on a different place. Faith, faith starts only when we realize that we aren't in control. We have a hard time with that in Canada, in North America. We want to be in control of everything. Want to be in control. I, I need to know how many dollars and cents are coming in this week because I got to budget it accordingly. We need to be in control, but we have to trust the one who is and who does. See, faith grows wherever it's planted, which is why it's very important that we are deeply rooted in the word of God. How is your faith supposed to grow if you don't even know the books of the Bible? If you don't know the character of God? If you don't know the promises that he set in front of us? How is your faith supposed to grow? It's important that we get in the word of God. I believe Pastor Rach said this last week. But the answers to our questions aren't found in what we're believing for. The answers to our questions are found in who we are believing in. But the problem is we get this so mixed up. We're looking for him to answer the, the problem so that we can build our faith, which that happens, rather than putting our trust in him. But what happens when you don't get healed in the timing and the, 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 the length that you're believing for or the way that you're believing for? Where does your faith go? What happens when the financial solution doesn't come on the day that we needed it to come? 
Where does our faith go? The problem is we are looking for the thing rather than believing in who he is. And so often we get so discouraged in this life. We get so discouraged in this walk because we consider these things as a loss. But what if it wasn't a loss? What if it was supposed to be a lesson? See, we consider it a loss, and so we get discouraged, and we begin to doubt, and we have uncertainty. But what if that loss wasn't a loss at all? It was simply just a lesson that you needed to learn something and get your heart in the right place. What if that house that you've been believing for didn't come because God knew he was going to move you in three years' time? What if the increase didn't come because he knew that your heart had to be in the right place so that when the increase did come, you still trusted in him fully? See, what we view as a loss is supposed to be a lesson. But he uses all things together for the good of those who believe. So I'm going to ask this question. So if we're never 100% sure, how much is enough? How much is enough? Maybe if I took a poll today and said, okay, in this room, and maybe let's do this interactively. Who likes chocolate ice cream? Okay, that's a majority of the, who likes vanilla ice cream? Well, it's pretty close, pretty close. But what if I told you, and what if the result was 51 like chocolate and 49 like vanilla? Who is the majority? The 51. Am I right? That is enough to win the poll, to win the debate. What if I told you that there's a candidate who's running in the election and she received 51% of the votes? Is that enough for a victory? Yes. So maybe I can challenge you this morning that 51% is enough. 51% is enough to win. 51% is enough to have victory. Faith at 51% says, I can't see the whole pathway, but I can trust you, God, enough to start walking. But the thing is, God won't reveal the truth if we won't move towards it. We have to start walking one step at a time, one crawl at at a time, one mustard seed at a time. Anyone who has ever done anything great for God has never been 100% sure at the start. Can we look at Abram? Genesis 12, verses 1 and 2. In the Amplified, it says, Now the Lord had said to Abram, Go away from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land that I will show you. What's so interesting here is in the beginning it says, Now the Lord had said to Abraham, Abram, which means what? Which means he was in relationship with him. He knew him. He knew him to the point that he understood his voice. He was walking with him. He was praying. He was speaking in tongues. He was conversing with God. 
He knew the voice of God. And so when God said, go away from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to a land, it's not, he said, okay, now go away. I'm going to take you over here to Cambridge. No, I'm, I, no what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to send you over there to Hamilton. No, 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 I'm going to send you to, he didn't show him. He didn't tell him. He didn't give him an address. He said, go, and I will show you. That's faith. But can I say something? That's maybe faith. God, you want me to go. You want me to leave everything that I know. You want me to leave my country, which we can consider to be our comfortability. You want me to leave what is familiar. You want me to leave my relatives. You want me to leave my father's house, which represents protection and provision. God, you want me to leave everything. Can I tell you something? Sometimes faith is uncomfortable. God's asking him to leave his comfortability, to leave what seems familiar to him, his family, to leave his protection and provision. Faith can be uncomfortable. If you're comfortable, you're not in faith. Things got extremely uncomfortable for me this week. Because God began to reveal to me what I believe is supposed to be for this church, for this year. And, and so often in our human understanding, in our, in, our, in our mindsets and in our way of thinking, we can get caught up in the facts. Well, this person's leaving and that person's leaving. And God said that we're supposed to have 250 plus people by the end of this year, but how is that possible? God said that we're supposed to be financially farther ahead this year than we've ever been before. How is that possible? And so I begin to get uncomfortable. And maybe God's saying, hey, if you're going to teach on faith for the next eight weeks, you're going to have to walk through it. You're going to have to be uncomfortable. You're going to have to take your faith to a deeper level. As pastors, as leaders, we don't have it all together. We have those low moments. We have those moments of doubt. We have those moments of maybe. But he was calling me to come out deeper. And for some of us, we're unwilling to go out deeper because it's uncomfortable. And we're okay in our comfortability. Being uncomfortable is a, is a sign that faith can work. Faith can be unfamiliar. Some of us, we won't do anything we don't know. We won't step out in anything that we've never done before. How are you going to know if you never do anything new? When you start walking in faith, you're going to have to learn differently. You're going to have to walk in things that seem unfamiliar. You're going to have to speak in a way that may seem unfamiliar, that may seem uncomfortable. Now, in my house, I have set a rule with food that you cannot say no to anything 
until you have at least tried it twice. Why? Because you may not like it the first time. It may not appeal to you the first time. And so why limit yourself based on one occurrence? I learned this when I was younger. My dad took me to a Toronto Raptors game when you didn't have to mortgage your house to buy a ticket. And we got to sit in the seventh row behind one of the hoops. And you say, well, the seventh row, that's, that's a good seat. Yeah, it's at eye level because that's how tall they are. <laughs> and at the time that we went, this was before we had apps on our phones or we could order food. Someone took me to a Maple Leafs game just a few weeks ago and you can order food and they bring it right to your seat right from your phone. But before that, they had touch screens on the back of the seats. My dad's like, hey, what do you want? He's like, I'm getting sushi. I was like, oh, I'll try that. I think it was my 13th birthday. Never had sushi before. I'm a farm kid from West Virginia. Can I tell you something? I hated the sushi. Didn't like it, spit it out. But then the second time came, maybe a year or two later, I tried it again. Guess what? It was amazing. And so I set a rule for my family. You cannot say no unless you've tried it twice. If you don't like it after two times, you never have to have it again. The unfamiliar can be scary. It can be uncomfortable. But it will always be unfamiliar if you never try it. In the passage, it says, go to the land I will show you. That's uncomfortable. You're telling me to leave everything, to go somewhere that I don't even know where I'm going. I don't have an address. I don't have a postal code. I don't even have a province. You're telling me to pack up everything and go somewhere, wherever that may be. It can be uncomfortable. In other words, you're saying move, and then when you move, I will show you. Move, and then when you take that step, I will reveal to you. Move, and then when you keep moving and moving and moving in unfamiliar and uncertainty, I will show you. Many of us are standing, still waiting on God to move us. But it's a whole lot easier to move something that's already in motion. Can I show you this today? Mike, come up here just real quickly. Really, really quick. See, so many of us, might just stand right here, yeah. See, so many of us are just standing, waiting on God to move us. Waiting on God to move us. Now, I could move him, but it would be increasingly difficult. Now, he said I work out. I do work out. I'm getting there. But Mike just slowly starts taking some steps. Just take one step. How many know it's a lot easier to move something that's already in motion? But some of us are standing, waiting. God, will you move me? Thank you, Mike. Will you move me? Take me to the destination. Take me to the, the, the answer. Take me. When all he's asking us to do is to take a step. And when he takes a step, he begins to reveal the path. How many know when you drive your car at night, 
You can't see the destination in your headlights, but you can only see enough to keep moving. Some of us in our faith, we're looking for the destination rather than just keep moving. But he's waiting us, waiting on us to start. We're waiting on God to move and he's waiting on us to move so that he can push us into the promise. Now in this moment, Abram's faced with a hard decision. He can stay comfortable in what is familiar. He can stay comfortable in his provision. He can stay comfortable in what he's known or he can step in faith. But can I tell you something? The promise is always greater than the pain. Sure, there will be pain. Sure, there will be some hard times. Sure, there will be some uncomfortability. But the promise is always greater than the pain. Let this encourage you that the pain of faith is real, but it never outweighs the promises that he has for us. God never gives you all these directives that seem so sacrificial. If he wants to give you on the other side is something greater. Genesis 12, 2 says, and I will make you a great nation and I will bless you abundantly and make your name great, exalted, distinguished, the amplified. And you shall be a blessing. You shall be a source of great good to others. Isn't that the point? Isn't that the point? That God would bless us so much that we can be a blessing to somebody else. Not walk into a situation and say, well, how can I pray for you? Walk into a situation and say, the answer is here. What can I do? Some of us, our faith is, how can I pray for you? And that's great. I'm thankful for everyone who prays. But I believe that we're called to be a church that is so blessed that we're not just uh, 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 praying partners, but we're the answer to prayer. That we're a church that is an answer to the city's needs. That we're an answer to our community's needs. That we are to be blessed, to be a blessing, a source of great good to others. That we would be able to show how good our God is by the way that we can bless because of the way he's blessed us. Going in into verse 3 and 4, it says, I will curse, that is subject to my wrath and judgment, the one who curses despises, dishonors, and has contempt for you. Can I tell you something? That means you don't have to defend yourself. You don't have to defend yourself to your family members. You don't have to defend yourself to your coworkers. You don't have to defend yourself. All you have to do is stand and take one step at a time, knowing who he is. If they curse you, they better watch out because God's got you. And it says in verse three, and in you, all the families or the nations of the earth will be blessed. Can I tell you something? We're standing in the blessing of what Abraham did or of what Abram did. His faith steps. We're standing in the blessing of it right now. It's because of his steps of faith. Now, he has a decision to make. Is this God? In this moment, this hard decision, is this God? I'm sure he's asking himself the question, am I 100% sure it's him? No. No, he's not. 
Is it really you, God? And I'm sure that little voice in his head said, maybe, maybe. You won't know until you start taking that step. See, you may not be 100% sure, but I can guarantee you your obedience will prove much greater than the sacrifice. You may not know what you're being saved from and what you're being saved for, but God does. His plans for you are greater than your wildest dreams, but it depends on your willingness to trust him. Maybe God will use this thing that I'm supposed to do to lead me to the thing that he wants me to do. Continuing in verse four, so Abram departed in faithful obedience. In faithful obedience as the Lord had directed him. Can I say something to you? He departed in faithful obedience. I don't know if this is going to work. I don't know if this is a step of faith. I don't know if, but I, I'm going to have to step out in faith. I'm going to have to step out. He says, as the Lord directed him. Can I tell you something? Don't make plans without him. Because sure, there is grace. Sure, there is these things. But it's so much better when you step out when God has instructed you to. You may not know the final destination. You might not know the answer. But he's called you to step out but we need to be faithfully obedient. Why aren't more people living in faith? Why aren't more people living in faith? I believe that it's because we live in fear that we believe what we are believing for isn't going to happen. When things get tough, when there's seemingly no end in sight, we begin to fear. We begin to doubt. Can I tell you something? Agree with me or not, but the opposite of faith is fear. You say, well, how do you know? Because fear comes in and then we begin to doubt. And then we begin to doubt because we don't believe. But when we look in Mark 4 verses 35 through 41, we look at the disciples. And it says, as evening came, Jesus said to his disciples, let's cross to the other side of the lake. Who said it? Did the disciples say it? Jesus said it. He said, let's cross to the other side of the lake. So they took Jesus in the boat. So Jesus was with them. Took him in the boat and started out leaving the crowds behind. Although other boats followed. But soon a fierce storm came up. High waves were breaking into the boat and it began to fill with water. Soon the fierce storms came in. The fierce storms of life, the challenges of life, when we seem like we're drowning in certain situations, when we seem like we're drowning in debt, when we seem like we're drowning in our situation. To see the fierce storm came and the boat began to fill with water. But Jesus was sleeping at the back of the boat with his head on a pillow. Now, if Jesus was like me, he'd be drooling all over his pillow, snoring, because he was out. The disciples had to wake him up shouting, Teacher, don't you care that we're going to drown? When Jesus woke up, he rebuked the wind and said to the waves, Silence, be still. Suddenly the wind stopped and there was a great calm. Then he asked them, Why are you afraid? 
Do you still have no faith? The disciples were absolutely terrified. Who is this man? They asked each other. Even the wind and the waves obeyed them. See, this is so interesting because they allowed their circumstances to affect the way that they reacted. And instead of recognizing, wait a second, Jesus is in my boat. He's the one that told us to come out here. He's the one that called us out here. And if he called me out here, he's not going to let me drown. Instead of recognizing the position of Jesus, who is on the boat with them, they begin to allow the external circumstances to affect how they reacted. Jesus is, what is he doing? He's snoring on the boat. See, a lot of us in this faith walk, a lot of us in this journey are standing on a line between fear and faith. Maybe you feel like you're in between uncertainty in your situation and confidence in him. But Jesus is sleeping in the same place that we are going crazy. They're going crazy in the boat. We're going to drown. Wake him up. Why is he sleeping? We tend to look at our surroundings. We don't have enough to make it this month. I don't know how I'm going to get through another semester financially. I don't know how I'm going to do it. I don't know how my marriage is going to be restored. I don't know. It seems so far off. It seems so impossible. What are we going to do? Are we going to drown? Or are we going to look at the position of Jesus, who's asleep in the boat? He's saying, this may seem like, but I'm here. This may seem like, but I called you out into this. I called you out into the middle of the lake. I called you out. He's saying, put your faith in me. Put your rest in me. But the problem is when the storms come, we don't run into faith. We head back into fear. When it doesn't look like it's going to happen, we head back into fear instead of keeping our eyes on his posture. 2 Timothy 1.7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power and of love and of self-discipline. Can I tell you something? There's no way of knowing. Anything is 100%. That's why it's called faith. And what's so interesting is I can tell you something, and I'm thankful that Pastor Shannon is here because I can use her as my illustration this morning. I can tell you something for a fact, walking through this last two years with them, that when they decided that they were going to transition out, I can tell you they weren't 100% sure. God, is this you? I know what you told me, but nothing seems to be pointing in that direction. They had no idea. You know where their faith was probably at? 51%. God, I don't know. 
You called us to step out, to step away, to step into something that is unfamiliar. But who's going to take the church? What is this going to look like? Where are we going to live? How are we going to get there? I'm sure there was a whole lot of maybe faith. That's it. That's the 51% in between uncertainty and knowing who he is. God, I know what you showed me, but maybe this is you. Even in the talks, even in the plans. It was so interesting because when they reached out to us, it was like a maybe, maybe. Pastor Matt and Rach would have some wisdom. Maybe they would have some insight. Maybe. And what was so interesting when we sat down at that dinner table that day and they began to tell us about what God had showed them. I remember very clearly Pastor Dave and Shannon, Larry Lee and Quentin. And my wife's nails were digging into my leg under the table. Because what they didn't know was that two years earlier, God began to prepare our hearts. And what two years earlier for me was, God, is this you? Maybe. Knowing that your aunt and uncle have had a 28, 29 year church in Kitchener, but God said that Kitchener was next. How is that possible? I didn't know. It wasn't until that moment that they heard our heart that they knew that it was God. It was that moment that we all began to cry and we all began to weep at the table that they recognized that it was God. But it was because of their maybe faith. It was because of their 51% faith and their steps into that. Not knowing the destination, not knowing the final answer, not knowing the solution. I had no idea how it was possible. But in that moment, it became a reality. I'm asking God to do for you today what he did for the woman with the issue of blood. For 12 years, she suffered. For 12 years, the doctors told her there was no way. There was no way to be healed. There was nothing that could save her. Every doctor had a bad report. But when she heard Jesus was in the area, she said, maybe if I could touch the hem of his garment. Maybe if I could just get through the crowd. Maybe. Maybe. Maybe if I could just cross the line of fear and faith and be 51% in faith, maybe I can be healed. And in that moment, Jesus said, who touched me? Who touched me? And the disciples said, well, Jesus, as he was swarmed with people, he said, Jesus, everyone is touching you. Everyone is around you. But it says the woman 
fearing and trembling, knowing what was done in her, came and fell down before him and told him the truth. For some of us, even after the miracle, even after the healing, even after the enemy tries to take you back to a place of fear, what if this isn't real? What if this isn't God? But he said to her, he turned to her, daughter, thy faith has made thee whole. Go in peace and be whole of thy plague. Today, you may be standing in that moment where you're standing on the line. You're 50-50. Standing on the line of fear and faith. I don't know all your circumstances. I don't know what you're going through. But I would ask you to put your faith in motion and just to take one step. That 51%, that mustard seed faith. To put your faith in motion. Maybe you feel like you're in between uncertainty and confidence in who he is. I'm asking you today to believe and to step out into maybe faith. To step out into 51% faith. Even if it's just 51% that God heals your marriage. Even if it's just 51% that God will heal your family. Even if it's just 51% that God can restore your marriage. Even if it's just 51% that he will provide everything you need confidently knowing in who he is. You might be uncertain of the circumstances, but you know who he is. And you're standing on the line of faith. If I can challenge you today in anything, whether you're at the level of legacy faith, whether you're at the level of baby faith, and whether you're just standing at the level of maybe faith, God, God, I trust you. God, I need a miracle. God, I need you. God, we're drowning out here. Where are you? He's saying, look at me. Look to me. Look for me. Don't focus on the facts. Don't focus on the fear. Don't focus on the things that hold you back. Focus on me. Look to me. Maybe you're here today. He said, I had enough faith to say yes, but that's where my faith stopped. There's a reason that on the art it says, faith for the impossible. Faith that moves mountains. Come on, what would the church in Canada look like if we stepped up in legacy faith? What would the church in Canada, in Kitchener look like if we stepped out even in 51% faith? What would the church look like 
we stepped out in legacy faith, if we stepped out in baby faith, if we stepped out in maybe faith, what would the church look like? Come on, some of you have been believing for family members for years, and you gave up. You gave up praying. You gave up believing that they would ever call. You gave up believing that they would ever step foot in the church again. Come on, it's time for us to get off of the line of uncertainty and look into who he is, the confidence that we have in him. Can I pray for you today? God, we just thank you for every person that is here today. We thank you for every person that decided to say yes. Now, maybe you're in here today and you've never said yes to Jesus. You've never invited him into your life. Invited him in to transform you from the inside out. So often in this world, they want to transform us from the outside in. But he wants to transform you from the inside out. If that's you today and you'd like to say yes to Jesus, I'd like everybody just to bow their heads in this moment. If you want to take a step of faith and say, yes, Jesus, come into my life. I invite you into my life. I invite you to transform me. I invite you to renew me. I invite you to make me whole. I've tried everything. I've tried everything in this world. If that's you today, I would just like to give you a moment to raise your hand to say yes to Jesus. If that's you, just raise your hand. I'll give you 60 seconds. If you're watching online and you would like to say yes to Jesus, please just let us know. Whether in the comments, you can email us at info at lgcy.church. We want to know that you've said yes so that we can help you to take this next step in faith. If that's you today, just... Raise your hand. Come on, 30 more seconds. This is the greatest decision you will ever make. Come on, church. Can we pray together today? Come on, let's pray together audibly. God, thank you. Come on, church. Let's repeat this. God, thank you for sending Jesus to save me. Today, I repent of my sins. Thank you for living for me. Thank you for dying for me. And thank you for redeeming me. Today, I give you my life. Change me. Transform me. Renew me. I am yours. In Jesus' name. Come on, church. Let's celebrate this morning. For those who said yes, for those who recommitted their life to Jesus. Now, before we go, I'm just going to pray for you one more time. Before we end in announcements, God, I just thank you for every person within the sound of my voice, for every person watching online, for every person that will hear this message at some point, whether it be a podcast, whether it be on Facebook, whether it be on YouTube, whether it be in this room, God, that you would push us from the line into 51% faith, into maybe faith. God, that you would begin to move 
in our church, that you would begin to move in our lives, that you would begin to challenge us to go deeper in your word in this year of 2023, to go deeper in our prayer life in 2023, to go deeper in the things of God. So God, I just thank you for every person that as we go deeper this year, I believe that we will go so much farther than we've ever gone before. Farther in our marriages, farther in our relationships, farther in our finances, that our businesses will flourish, that our jobs will flourish, that everything that we put our hands to will flourish. So God, I just thank you that as we pursue you, that you will take us farther than ever before. So God, we just love you. We praise you. We thank you. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Thanks for listening. To hear more, subscribe to this podcast and connect with us on our website at lgcy.church.